0: Positive peer pressure. What I mean by that is that most employees would do the right thing because most people recognize that that's the way they should be acting. For example, if you have a new employee and this person is undecided on an ethical decision and if this person asks their colleagues, should I do this, but I need my revenue and I need to proceed with this business opportunity, the answer this person will receive is, no, you cannot. Don't be afraid. A company will back you up if you walk away from that transaction. So having positive peer pressure, it's key, and it's a good sign regarding having an ethical culture.
1: Welcome to the Hughes Hubbard Anti-Corruption and Internal Investigation Practice Group's podcast, All Things Investigations. Hughes-Hubbard Anti-Corruption and Internal Investigation Practices Group represents many of the premier companies around the world, providing advice on issues spanning the full anti-corruption and compliance spectrum. In this podcast, host Tom Fox and members of the Hughes-Hubbard Anti-Corruption and Internal Practice Group will highlight some of the key legal issues involved in white collar and other investigations, both domestically and internationally. We will tackle topical issues involved in investigations, as well as explore how companies can prevent and detect issues that arise in conducting investigations on a worldwide basis. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, and welcome to another episode of All Things Investigations. We're going to take things a little bit different direction today, as Mike DeBernardis is going to introduce our guest. So, Mike, over to you. Thanks, Tom, and good to
2: see you. Uh, I'm glad you could, you could uh, manage this podcast from the road. You're really a, a man that can do a podcast anywhere, I think. I'm excited today. We have been trying on this feed to introduce some external guests. And I think we have a really good one today. We're joined by Loa Perez. She is the compliance director for the Americas for Ingram Micro. And we're gonna talk about a topic that if you are in the compliance space at all, you are familiar with, but we're gonna take a little bit of a deeper dive into what it means. And that's ethical company culture. What is it? How do you achieve it? What are sort of some of the steps you can take to get there? So first, Laura, welcome. Thank you for joining us.
0: Thanks, Mike. And thanks, Song. It's really great to be here. I'm really excited to be doing the podcast.
2: We are excited to have you. Laura and I had the opportunity when I was down in Miami for the White Collar Conference to sit down at dinner and I I raised this idea of joining this podcast. I wasn't sure it was gonna happen. So I'm pleased that my master plan from last month worked out. But maybe we'll start. Laura, with kind of the basics in your view, we hear a lot about ethical culture. It's in guidelines. I think people talk about compliance. They talk about ethical culture. But what does it mean? What does having an ethical culture as a company mean to you?
0: Well, based on my experience, an ethical culture is about employees having a strong values, strong principles that they can apply when they're going to make a business decisions. It's something that is part of the DNA of the company, and it's something that will allow them to make the right decision, even if it's not, if the rule is not written anywhere. So at least they will stop and they will ask themselves, "What I'm doing is correct? Is not correct? It's in accordance to the code of conduct." So I would say that it is that it's a group of values and principles that all employees have within the company. That's what they have in common. And we will allow them to act ethically even when nobody is looking, even if the rule is not written anywhere. For me, that's an ethical culture. And another thing that it's important is that this will help employees when in doubt, as we said, they will slow down, they will ask for guidance, and they will feel that they act ethically, the company is not going to go against them. So the company is going to back them up. They're not going to lose their job. And there will not be retaliation. So this is also really key.
2: Yeah. One of the things you said struck me because I've heard it before, framed differently, but <clears throat> when employees do the right thing and nobody's looking or when employees do the right thing, even if they know they're not going to get caught, is it a really accurate sign kind of down to the basics of what we might mean with ethical culture? Tom, you've been in and out of various places. Some, I'm sure, had more ethical cultures than others that <laughs> you have. Any other thoughts in terms of what we might have missed? Is what does an ethical
1: company culture mean? So what I really heard there, Laura, was trust that employees trust that not simply they will do the right thing, but they will be treated the right way, and that if they do raise their head and if they do speak up, that they won't be retaliated against. Their concern will be taken seriously, and that it's not simply we already know what to do. It's not simply management saying. We're going to tell you what to do. But it's a kind of a symbiotic relationship, both upward and downward, but also downward and upward. Really describe to me culture and how it's really much more encompassing than simply saying we have great values or we have great trust. It's really all of these things together. Is that a fair assessment?
0: Definitely. And let me share an example with you. Sometimes people, they may not recall. Where the rule is, for example, so let's say we're having a, a sales meeting, and in the sales meeting they're interacting with a customer, and the customer says, "I'm going to offer a bribe in order to obtain payment from the end user." In that meeting, people, if there is an ethical culture, may say, "Maybe we don't recall the name of the policy. Maybe we don't know if it's in the code of conduct, but we do know that there is the control within the company that doesn't allow this type of practices, and we're going to end the meeting." Or as soon as, you know, we can finish this meeting, we're going to talk to compliance and legal and we're going to seek guidance. So that's what an ethical culture is. Even if the compliance officer is not present or they don't remember the exact name of the policy, they recognize the control and the rationale behind
1: it. I just now have to tell the story because 20 years ago I was in house counsel at a major energy services company in Texas. And in the middle of the meeting, the CFO of the business unit I was representing said, that's a violation of our code of conduct, and we're not going to do that. And I have to say, I was never more proud of a CFO than at that moment. She recognized the issue. She said, no, and move on at that end of the discussion. So it can be incredibly powerful when the business unit guy or the business unit person says, no, we're not going to do that here. Well, I think.
2: One of the things about ethical culture, and the reason we've been able to sort of bat around ideas for the last five minutes about what it is, is because it's not concrete. Do you have an anti-corruption policy? Yes or no. Very easy for someone to identify and answer that question. It's a much harder question to answer is, does this particular company have an ethical culture? It's an important question to answer, I think, but it's a difficult one. So maybe to you, Laura, from your experience, what are some signs of companies that have ethical cultures and if you prefer you can flip that on its head and give us some signs of what companies do not. I'll leave it to you. But because I think that's really the only way to get at it. There's going to be some characteristics of companies that do and, and companies that don't.
0: Yes, Mike, definitely. So one thing that is reflect if a company has an ethical culture is when employees are not afraid to speak up. And they will openly bring concerns up to their managers or to a compliance officer or legal They will feel free to ask questions. They will not feel ashamed of, as Tom was mentioning before, walking away from a business opportunity because they know that that is not in accordance to an ethical culture. So when there is transparency and there is an open door policy and people feel free to speak up without fear of retaliation, that's a good sign. Another sign is having the high commitment from leadership. So that leadership knows about the values of the company. They know allowed was not allowed. And in addition to that, that they communicate that to their direct reports. And that means middle management and that middle management can reinforce these values and principles and even discuss cases for scenarios with their employees. That's another sign when leadership is on board. And middle management is on board. And so compliance is popular within the company. Another good sign, I would say, is positive peer pressure. What I mean by that is that most employees would do the right thing because most people recognize that that's the way they should be acting. For example, if you have a new employee and this person is undecided on an ethical decision, and if this person asked their colleagues, should I do this? But I need my revenue and I need to proceed with this business opportunity. The answer this person will receive is no, you cannot. Don't be afraid. A company will back you up if you walk away from that transaction. So having positive peer pressure, it's key and it's a good sign regarding having an ethical culture. The other thing that always comes to my mind is when employees have an open mind and they're aware that risks may change during time. And even if they have been with the company for a lot of time, the risk is constantly modifying. So when you sit with them and you talk to them and try to conduct a risk assessment, for example, or just to have an open discussion on the risks they're facing, at least they sit with an, with an open mind and say, maybe this could be happening. We might encounter a gap here or there. So that's another good sign that people are really engaged and they're aware that these risks change and we're exposed. Nobody has has controls that are perfect or bulletproof. That's whatever I'm trying to say. So those are, are very good signs of having a, an ethical culture and signs that you don't have an ethical culture. For example, I would say, well, it's the opposite when employees are afraid to speak up, but also when wrongdoing is allowed In an operation. So I remember, for example, once that we acquired a company and employees in that company had a compliance program on paper. They had a hotline and nobody had used the hotline in the last year, for example. Also, management was separated in a different room with locked doors from the rest of the team. So definitely they didn't have an open door policy or an open door culture, so people didn't feel in the operation that they could reach to management with their concerns. That would be another sign and lack of accountability. When you investigate a conduct and you definitely identify the wrongdoing and you ask a leader, okay, what happened? This isn't in your subsidiary. This is in your country. What happened? And the leader says, well, it's not my fault. The operation is too big. I couldn't detect this. I mean, how can we improve? If we don't recognize that something is wrong.
2: That's a really good point. A couple of things should out to me from what you just said. And one that I've seen over and over again is when wrongdoing goes unpunished or maybe not sufficiently punished. It's remarkable to me, even when companies think, well, we're keeping this pretty confidential. Nobody's going to know if we don't take action against this person. Every company I've seen rumors fly around there like it's an elementary school. Stories get out. Nothing remains secret. And so it's a very easy way, in my experience, to kill any momentum you've built to building an ethical culture or a culture of compliance to treat people differently for misconduct, for compliance violations. I think when people see that lack of compliance, not following the policies or open misconduct is not punished or that some people are treated differently, it really can very quickly kill that culture.
0: I totally agree with you. And that's one of the key points if you want to maintain an ethical culture because you want to assure people that there is fairness and there is justice when implementing corrective measures and if you have to fire a director you will fire the director and if you have to fire the manager the same thing and that these people treated the same way as any other associate and that they're not above the policies and the rules so yeah i totally agree with you that's key so that people trust the system and trust the controls. And there is this sense of fairness with the company.
2: So you've been with, like you said, a couple of companies. The other thing that stood out to me from what Laura said was commitment of leadership. I think that's probably the most obvious uh, sort of a sign of a ethical culture, but also a bit amorphous. Obviously, you can look at formal messages that leadership must send, but from your experience at different companies, what have you noticed are the differences between leadership that takes really active role and
1: sets the right culture to to leadership that maybe doesn't do as good of a job. Let me just pick up on Laura's last point, which is institutional justice and institutional fairness, that you absolutely must treat people consistently. If you fire people in Brazil for cheating on their expense accounts and the next person who does it is your top salesperson in America, you have to fire them too. And if you don't, you will lose all credibility. But interestingly, I'm at a conference where Andrew Wiseman, the former head of the fraud section in the Department of Justice, talked about clawbacks. But he said it's not just clawbacks. It's a discipline. And that the Department of Justice believes a key component of an effective compliance program is if you discipline those who violate the rules. It doesn't mean you have to fire everyone. It doesn't mean you have to seek a clawback. But there should be a consequence for an adverse action. So, it's interesting that the Department of Justice now views that as a critical component as well, but I think the requirements for institutional justice and the institution of fairness, led by someone like Laura, but really with a tone set at the very top, which was they'll support you in whatever your decision might be, are absolutely critical elements to an effective culture as well.
0: yeah, just occur tell me one more thing in addition to punishing the same way everybody in the with Max options, so that there is credibility in the controls we, can, they, mm-hmm. you know, companies have. The other thing is making sure that after you apply those corrective measures, and this could be challenging, you go back and you talk to the business uh, unit manager, for example, or to the people that initially reported the conduct, and you make sure that there has not been retaliation well, and that people have been actually punished or sanctioned if it was necessary. Because what may happen is I cover it region. So what may happen is that, okay, we've finished the investigation. This is what we're going to do. And then we assign the function of applying the corrective measures to perhaps HR We work with them, but making sure that following up, that actually those corrective measures are applied and that people didn't suffer retaliation is also key for people to continue speaking up and having this culture that really works.
2: It sounds like, Laura, you're speaking from experience from a company with an ethical culture which is great. I'm sure it makes your job easier too. <laughs> for those that maybe aren't as thrilled in compliance roles with that culture at their company and are looking for ways to improve it, it's not an easy fix, but what are some things that a company could do that, to build this culture that we've been talking about?
0: Okay, there's so many things. I think I would like to share is that it's not going to happen overnight. It's a process and you need to have a plan. And what I mean by that is that Will be in compliance and in the role. You would want to do lots of things, but perhaps you don't have the budget or you don't have the resources yet. So it's important to have a plan in the short term and in the long term and to continue being motivated to achieve what you want. So it may not happen in a year, for example. It may happen in a few years or in three years. That's important. So, one thing that is key is having a plan, but also having leadership, having the board of directors approving that. And this is related to what Tom was mentioning before about leadership. I mean, they need to be on board and you need their support to implement the things that you want to implement. So make sure that you put that plan in writing that is relevant to the company and it considers the the main risks that the company has and that you have their support. The, The second thing that I would say is Promoting among leaders the ethical culture. And that doesn't mean necessarily training. It means showing them when you're providing guidance to them or when you're talking to them in a meeting, how compliance can be added value. I think that when they see the benefit of compliance from a commercial point of view, we're all humans who we're looking for what's in it for us, for our business unit. They will actually see the importance of compliance. So for example... Okay, if we have a business and ethical culture and we have a compliance program that is effective, therefore a compliance program that is effective, then it's easier that we will be able to sign a huge contract with an important service provider that is key for us. There will be, if it's a multinational, for sure, they want to do business with a company that is comprised with the applicable laws and regulations. So that's the added value of compliance, showing them that actually it helps. Or that if you have to negotiate with a service provider, actually, if you have a good relationship with them because you have shown them that internally we have a compliance culture, they are going to trust us and it's going to be easier to resolve an audit or resolve any penalties that for some reason they apply to us. So that's another component showing leadership, the added value of compliance. I think it's also about, about establishing policies and procedures that are clear And sometimes it's challenging depending on the subject, but that are really relevant to the business and easy to understand for people. And of course, training and communication. I would say during this time that we're living, where people are working from home and most of the time, they may believe that compliance is not that important anymore. So that's why with infographics, like short, because they may receive a lot of emails, but just a short communication that reminds them about the most important policies every three months, every quarter, or maybe a video from the CEO talking about the policies and how they apply to the business, a short video that could be helpful. So that's another way. Be creative because people get tired of seeing the same, but constantly communicate to, to employees that compliance is still important, is still there, and it's being enforced by the authorities. The other thing I would say is, and I think Tom was mentioning that before, and in you too, Mike, is rewarding good conduct. And I really believe that in the positive effect that it has, rewarding and recognizing when someone does a good thing. So if someone, for example, in a meeting with a provider said, stop discussing about pricing, we're not supposed to discuss about pricing because the competition was also present. And then this person comes and tells you that. Okay, if you are writing an article about compliance within the company, or if you are conducting a training, recognize these people and the effort that they've made. So that's another thing. And if you are promoting, this person has been a compliance ambassador, for example, and you haven't paid for what they have done for a year, but you can write a nice letter of recommendation because they have been a compliance ambassador helping you to coordinate compliance activities in the country, then do so, so that this person can role within the organization and HR should give priority to these people that it's aligned with the violence of the company and the opposite. And I have had those cases where, okay, this is a great commercial person. However, we had this compliance incident and this person cannot be promoted and the company should be able to support you in that case. So, And creating alliances, I think that's key in compliance. We never have a lot like we can never say, okay, we have lots of money and budget to spend. We always have that challenge, I believe, in most companies, based on my experience. So if you can work with an audit, if you can work with finance and share the same tools that they're using to implement the compliance program, to communicate, to create an uh, culture of compliance, then uh, maybe you can reach more people and you can be more effective. So that's some of the recommendations that oh, yeah. have.
2: That's great. I think I've seen a lot of clients have success when they've been able to spin compliance into a positive for the business. Because I think naturally, business looks at compliance as a burden, as a impediment for them doing what they want. It's something they just have to deal with. And to the extent you could be successful in, in turning the tables and spinning it into something that's positive, is a net positive for the business, is, is critical. So I, I liked your thoughts on that. I think those are accurate. I've seen clients do other things to sort of try to, to get positive buy-in, whether that's kind of doing compliance contests, rewards, little things can have a, a big impact in terms of building the culture, I think. So those are all, all really good points. Anything we missed
1: there, Tom? I was just going to say that was this final recitation of the multiple steps of a compliance program as I have ever heard. It's not an FCPA compliance program because it didn't include third parties and mergers and acquisitions but it's a compliance program and I'm going to bottle that and use that. That was great, Laura. You absolutely nailed it exactly. And you said it in a way that every business person understands. So I just want to say kudos.
0: Thank you. It's a topic that really I'm passionate about. So I really enjoyed the, the discussion.
1: Well, your passion came through and that's what's great about this profession, whether it's someone like myself, someone like Mike or someone like yourself we're all passionate about compliance and ethics and culture. Laura, I wanted to thank you for taking the time to come on. And Mike, thanks for putting this together. And I look forward to continuing this discussion between all of us. Thank you, Tom. Thanks, Tom. Thanks, Laura.